0: all right hey can we give it up for our teens one more time yeah awesome man awesome and it's so awesome to see you guys here up front my teens my leaders man I am just so blessed by you guys Thanks, um, my name is Tyler I am the youth director here and well, thank you thank you I am I'm am really excited to just be here with you this morning Uh, I mean, again, I am so proud of our youth. God is doing amazing things at Catalyst. He's changing lives. He's setting kids free. We're seeing it continue to grow. And so we are so, so excited for everything God is doing. Before before we get into things, I just wanted to say thank you to my youth, man. I am so proud of you guys, each and every one of my leaders. Man, I love you guys more than you know. You guys are amazing. Well, if you can't tell by the, the screen right here, The title of my message is One, okay? And there's a lot of ways to go with a title that's named One, right? You can do a lot of different things. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and read a verse in 1 Corinthians 12. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 12, and it says this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you so much for this morning. Lord, we thank you for an amazing time of worship, Lord. Your presence was so thick, is so thick here in this place, God. We just ask that you would continue to meet us here, Lord. Just open up our minds, open up our hearts to what you would have us here. God, all of you and less of us, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for all you're doing. And everybody said, Amen. amen, amen. Well, the title of my message is One. And if you can't tell by that first verse there, we are talking about one body. One body of the church, one body as a whole, whether it's kids, whether it's youth, adults, young adults, whatever it may be, God has called us to be one body, right? He's called us to be together, and so we kind of get a glimpse of it this morning with the youth takeover, right? We had people up front greeting, serving amazing you know, goodies. I mean, I can't get enough of the snacks here in the mornings. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I'm serious. When I come down from playing the bass every once in a while, I eat like six of the cheesecake things. (laughs) It's so great. So great. But we got a little glimpse of it, right? We got a little glimpse of one body and I'm really excited to just dive into that. But before I do, have you guys ever been in a situation where you may have felt a little out of place? Maybe just like a little out of place, like I don't really belong here, like this isn't for me. Maybe, you know, you're coming back to church for the first time in a while and you're just like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm uncomfortable here or my teens, maybe this is your first time here and it's just like, whoa, like I don't know what to do, but we've all been there a time or two where we felt out of place, Right? We felt uncomfortable. We felt like we didn't belong in a certain situation. And I've got plenty of those stories in my life, okay? Plenty of those stories. When I first tried to hit the gym, it was really bad, okay? I was like, I do not belong here. I do not belong here. There are people that could eat me, and so it's not good. I walked into a power gym, and the guy was like, hey, bro, you got some strings hanging out of your, your shirt. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, your arms. It's like. Thanks. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, we've been there, right? We've been there. And, and I just wanted to, before we jump into the scripture that I'm going to talk about, I wanted to just share a time of my life. Man, I grew up here in Inglewood, Colorado. My dad was a pastor at a church in Inglewood, my grandpa was a pastor at the same church. Yeah, woo. And um, man, we grew up in a very Pentecostal church, right? We grew up just, you know, clapping, singing loud, dancing, we had the tambourines going, right? It was super loud and super fun, and that was church. That was church to me, man. That's what we did. And I loved every bit of it. We were right across the street from the Pier 1 dr- uh, drug rehab homes. And so my dad uh, was a former addict, and so it was his heart and his mission that we get those people inside of church. So he went over there and he said, hey, look, I know, they're, you know some of them aren't supposed to leave. They have designated times. I need them on Sunday mornings. I need you to let them be here with me on Sunday mornings. And that was a big part of our church was people coming out of incarceration, people coming out of addiction. And so I, you know, I felt really comfortable in that setting growing up. Not always, uh, you know, I was always a little intimidated by the guys as like a 10, 11 year old kid, right? I mean, these guys looked apart. And so I was always like, oh man, but my dad explained to me, man, these are just people trying to get their life back together with Jesus. And so I felt comfortable there, right? And so this was church growing up. My dad, a couple years later, had gotten hurt by the church pretty bad and, uh, you know, just kind of walked away. We weren't plugged in. We weren't going to church. And he started working at an amazing financial company. A financial company that I had the pleasure to work for for seven years. Just an amazing Christian owner, amazing Christian people there. And my dad got an invite to go to church. So I'm 14, and I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great. We get to go to church with our dad again. It's been such a long time since we've been to church. So my dad's like, okay, we'll get ready to go. And we dressed up all nice, right? It's the boss's church, so we got to look great. I don't wear khakis now and so I was really bummed out that I had to wear khakis and a tie and a button up shirt because as you can tell this is how I dress but um, we get into church right and everyone's dressed up nice and it looks a little different right it looks like very proper and put together and just like super pristine and beautiful. And I was like, okay, this is cool though. There's the pews, right? I had pews growing up. So I was like, pews, all right, we're good. Pews, And there's even a hymnal, right? The red back hymnal. So I'm right at home. I'm not worried about it. We're completely good to go here. And so we walk into church. We're greeting people. Everybody's super friendly. Everybody's super nice. And it gets time for service to start. We take our seat. And we sit down. And then the pastor says, stand up. We're going to turn to page whatever it was in the hymnal, right? So we turn to the hymnal page. I've done this before. No problem. So we go, and we pick up the hymnal, and we start reading it, right? And we read the whole entire hymn. And at my church, when we're done, we clap. We're like, amen. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. And this was like a very, very strict Baptist church. And I didn't know the difference, okay? I didn't know. I didn't know. And so we were there, and we read it. And they say, Amen, and everybody says it together. I'm like, Amen. I was the only person who clapped in the entire church. The only one. Everyone just just like looked at me and I was like, Oh my gosh, I do not belong here. I'm out of place. And I'm still clapping. My dad just like reaches over and just like grabs my hands. Just like squeezes them together. And I'm like, Okay, got it. Yeah. Got it. But that was a time where I felt like I didn't belong, right? And, and we've all been there. We've all had moments. We've all had, you know, those, those times in life where we it feels a little awkward and it feels like we don't belong to something. And I wanted to share a story with you in the Bible. In Judges chapter 3, it's an incredibly unknown story. It's one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible, and it's about a man named Ehud, okay? Ehud and King Eglon. I am so thankful someone along the way broke the chain of the weird names, okay? Because if my name was Ehud, that would be a problem, all right? I just, I would feel like I didn't belong everywhere I went. And so we're going to jump in here. Judges 3, 12. A little backstory here we're getting into. Once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, And the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their evil, right? So Eglon's not a nice dude. Eglon enlisted the Ammonites and Amalekites as allies, and then he went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Palms. And the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years, 18 years. Look, I know some of us have, we have different political views, right? We think four years is a long time. 18 years, man, they're under this guy. And this guy is taking their stuff, taking possession of Jericho, right? And so they're in this position where they're like desperate. We see this with the Israelites all of the time. Right? They're good. They've got favor with God. They mess it up. God says, oh, you mess it up. And then they're like, God, we're sorry. And they come crawling back. Right, And so we see it once again. The Israelites mess things up. They're like, God, we need you. We need a savior. King Eglon is evil. And God, we need you to just come in and take over. And so that's where this, this man, Ehud, gets brought into the picture. And Ehud was somebody who didn't belong. Ehud was somebody who didn't really have a place in society, and it wasn't because of his name, right? It wasn't because of his name. Despite his name, it wasn't because of his name. It was because of something that he had handed to him from birth. Let's go ahead and jump into this. In Judges 3, verse 15 through 17, it says this. It says, but when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord again raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Ehud, son of Gera, a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin. Before I keep reading that, what you've got to understand is that being left-handed back in the day was looked down on. It was something that was just looked down on. If you were left-handed, you weren't as good as the people who were right-handed. And there was a lot of different thoughts behind that, a lot of different reasons behind that. One of them being when they talk about you know, being seated at the right hand of somebody, right, that's the honorable seat. And so if you were at the left hand, you weren't as honored as a person as the right. But one of the big reasons back in the old times when they were in combat, We see it all throughout history. When armies would work together, they would usually shield up with their left hands, if they were right-handed, right? And they would have their sword in their right hand, and they could work as a unit. They could work as a body. They could work together and move together. And so if you were left-handed, you could imagine the problem, right? You think eating dinner next to somebody who's left-handed is bad. What if you were drawing swords next to somebody who was left-handed and you got stabbed in the side, okay? That's even more of a problem. But Ehud found himself in this situation. Ehud found himself in this place where he wasn't welcome. He wasn't allowed to be on the army. He was already looked down upon. And one thing I love about our God is that he loves to take those type of people and use them incredible kingdom work, right? He loves to take those type of people, the people that don't fit in, the people that don't have a place, the people that don't feel like they don't belong, and use them for an amazing thing. And so a lot of you guys are like, okay, what happens? He's left-handed, big deal, right? The Israelites sent Ehud to deliver their tribute money to King Eglon of Moab. Moab. So Ehud made a double-edged dagger that was about a foot long, okay, that's pretty significant, and he strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothing. I, you know, I just love the Bible throws random stuff like this in here. It says he brought the tribute money to Eglon, who was very fat, okay? <laughs> all right. okay. You probably could have gone without it, but I like it. That's good detail, right? I'm a detail guy, so I like it. But, but what's the significance here? The significance is that everybody who would wield a weapon back then was right-handed. Everybody who was going to do something, if somebody was going to come in and take out a king or, you know, make a move, so to speak, they had to be trained in combat, and they were left, or they were right-handed, okay? And so what that meant is that they would strap the dagger to their left thigh, right? So they could take their hand, they could put it on their left thigh, and they could pull out quick, right? Because here it it just doesn't flow as easy. So what they would do... Before you ever entered the presence of a king or a leader or somebody like that, they would always check your left eye and see if you had a dagger. Ehud is left-handed. So what do they do? They check his left thigh. Oh, no, he's good. But little do they know he's got that dagger strapped to his right thigh. And now he's in a position... Right now, he's in a place to do something for God's people, to do something for the Israelites. The thing that held him back, the thing that was a detriment to his entire life, God turned into an advantage for his purpose. The the thing that he was just like, this makes me unfit, this makes me not belong. God said, I want to use that for my purpose and for my glory. In my kingdom. And so as we read here, it gets really good. Judges 3, verse 16, it says this After delivering the payment, Ehud started home with those who had helped carry the tribute. But all he turned back, he came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you. No problem, right? Detect his left thigh. He's good. So the king commanded his servants, be quiet, and he sent them. All out of the room, right? I love this. It's like anticipation. It's building. The first time I read this, it was like, come on. Like, what's going to happen? You know, I was all excited. Let's go ahead and keep reading verse 20 here. It says this. Ehud walked over to Eglon, who was sitting alone in a cool upstairs room. So descriptive. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. As King Eglon rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand pulled out the dagger strapped to his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. Okay, for any of you guys who think the Bible is boring, right? And it's a little like, ah, it's, it's, a, it's a boring book. Okay, this next verse is pretty wild, okay? The dagger went so deep that the handle disappeared beneath the king's fat. <laughs> what? That's insane. It was a foot-long dagger, okay? Like, that's a big dude wow so Ehud did not pull out the dagger I don't blame him okay I'm just gonna leave that thing dude Wow, oh, like it's like to swallow it up like a marshmallow like all right I'm gonna go ahead and leave that we're good and the king's bowels emptied all right man all right that's just one of the most bizarre stories in the bible that I've ever heard but it's that perfect example It's that perfect example of somebody who didn't belong, somebody who didn't have a place, somebody who didn't fit in. And God says, hey, that thing that you've been carrying your entire life, That thing that that you were dealt as a child, the thing that you didn't have any control over, the thing that you went through in life that brought you to this place where you feel like you don't belong and you don't have purpose and you don't have a role, I'm about to use that and show you that I am bigger than the problems that you face. It's perfect. It's perfect. And we see so many stories, but that is one of my all-time favorite stories. All-time favorite stories in the Bible, and it may have been some of you guys' very first time hearing that story because it's just so unknown. We're gonna wrap up the story real quick here. Judges three, 2, Judges three twenty-three, verse twenty-five says that Ehud closed and locked the doors out of the room and escaped down the latrine. That okay? You guys ever seen like the memes where it's like it plays like the Snoop Dogg music and the glasses go over, boom, like he's a gangster. That's a gangster moment move, right? He just boom and just peace out, like him walking out. I'm off. I'm out of here. Right? That's that move. After Ehud was gone, the king's servants returned. Man, see, this is so cool. Returned and found the doors to the upstairs room locked. They thought he might be using the latrine in the room. So they waited, okay to the bathroom. But when the king didn't come out after a long delay, they became concerned and got a key. And when they opened the doors, they found their master dead on the floor. Ehud had completed the mission that God gave him. Ehud had made himself a somebody in the eyes of culture, right? In the eyes of culture. But let me tell you something. The people who are unfit to, sit, unfit to serve in the world's kingdom always have a place in God's kingdom. The people who are unfit to serve in the world's kingdom, right? Ehud had no place in the world's kingdom. He had no business being in the army. He had no business pulling off a move like that. But the people who are unfit to serve here in the world are always fit to serve in God's kingdom. They are always fit to serve in God's house. And so maybe that's some of us this morning. Maybe you're like, you know what, Ty, I'm, I'm, I'm Ehud. I'm Ehud. I, I, I've been carrying around something for a really long time. You don't quite understand, Ty. I don't really fit in. Okay, look, I'm, I'm coming off of a long period of addiction or I walked away from the church or, or I, I, you know, this happened to me when I was younger. I don't really have a gift. I don't have something I can do to make an impact. I don't really fit in here. God wants you to know today that, listen, that thing that's held you back your entire life, God wants to use that for his glory. The Bible says we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Right? The word of our testimony. Now Ehud, when he tells this story to his grandkids, because that's a story I would tell to my grandkids, okay, if I was Ehud. When he's telling this story, he can say, man, God used my left-handedness. There are all things, there's things in life that make us feel a little left-handed sometimes. There's things in life that make you feel a little left-handed, like I just don't quite belong. We have a place. We have a purpose. We're going to jump back into our first verse here. That we read to open First Corinthians twelve twelve through thirteen. Now, human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. So this letter is being delivered to the church of Corinth, right? In Corinthians and he's letting them know hey you have a role you have a job to do in the body of Christ you have a purpose here I and mean, there's a place for you to serve at this house there's a place for you to get plugged in at this house there are people here who love you and want to walk with you and want to struggle with you in this house No matter where you're at, no matter how left-handed you feel sometimes, we are one body and one spirit. So we keep reading here, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14, it says this. Yes, the body has many different parts. We're not all the same, right? Not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Just where he wants it. And so we read this, right, and we can almost see, Paul addressing that insecurity. Paul's addressing that. He's saying, but oh, my, I'm a foot, I, I don't, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong, or I'm an eye, I'm not an ear, so I can't do the same things, right? Or I, I, I don't have this type, I don't have this role, I don't have this gift, whatever it may be. But what Paul is saying is that it's many parts that make up this body. It's all different gifts, all different talents, all different treasures that we can bring to the table that allow the body of Christ to function as one. If we had a body of entire, just foots, feet, not foots, what am I saying? <laughs> feet. Foots. It's like Ehud, you know, feet. If we had a body of feet, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. The Bible talks about weird angels who have like a million eyes, okay? That's creepy, all right? All right, it's creepy. It wouldn't work, okay? Wouldn't work for us. You got a role here. Maybe you're struggling with that. What's my role? What's my role? What, what is the thing that I can do to help the church? What is the thing that, that I can uh, really just give to the church to make a difference, make an impact? I would challenge you to look at the thing that you say, man, there's no way God could use this. And say, God, how will, you, how will you use this? Your testimony. Your story. Yes. Yes, yes. We've got some amazing testimonies, some amazing stories here, and I'm going to take just a couple minutes to share my story a little bit. Like I said, I grew up here, Inglewood. Um, dad was a pastor, grandpa's pastor, uncles pastors, cousins pastors. Zero chance I'm preaching. That uh, was my mindset growing up. I'm not doing it. And you know, it, and here we are. So this is great. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is great. But um, man, like I said, my dad got hurt really bad by the church. And uh, it crushed me as a kid and I was waiting for my dad to rebound. I was waiting for him to just bounce back like he always did. And uh, in December 2011, my dad actually ended up taking his life. And it was one of the most devastating things that's ever happened to me. Absolutely crushing. And in that moment, I was like, man, there's zero chance God's ever going to be able to use this for good, right? There's no way good can come out of this situation. There's no way this can, something good can come out of this. You talk about something that made me feel left-handed. That made me feel pretty left-handed. And I was crushed. I was broken. And my wife and I moved to a little tiny town called Craig, Colorado. And uh, we, were, we were volunteer youth pastors there. And one of our youth students, his dad committed suicide six months after my dad did. And I had just this moment of realization that God put me exactly in this person's path. That the thing that made me feel the most left-handed, God could now use for his glory. And I didn't know everything to say, right? I didn't, it wasn't a perfect, you know, movie type of moment. But I was like, Russell, I love you. I know what not to say in these situations. Because people said some things to me. And I want to let you know you have a place here. He stayed at our house that night. I was like, man, God just spoke to me. Hey, you remember when you said that nothing good would come out of that? You're able to walk this person through an incredibly dark time in our lives. And a lot of times, man, when we have those type of moments, when we have those type of encounters and and just like God moments, it's like, wow, God, you are so much bigger than me. You are so much greater than me, and we want to be plugged into that body, right? Like, I need to stay plugged in because this is way bigger than me. But sometimes, man, it doesn't always go that way. We find ourselves in this position where we get hurt, where we get offended, where something goes wrong, and instead of pressing into God, we detach ourselves from the body. See, I was there. I was there a few years ago. I had uh, moved out to Utah and served there as a, a youth pastor in Utah, and was my cousin's church, and man, I got hurt so bad by the church. Some of the same people that hurt my dad were the same people that hurt me, and it, it made me feel so duped. I felt so ashamed of myself. How could I trust these people? How could I let myself in this situation to where it's like, man, I I trusted you knowing that you were probably going to hurt me. And I was in this place where I told Sarah, I said, I'm done going to church. I will never, never do ministry again. See, when we detach ourselves from the body, we wither and lose our purpose. And it's exactly what happened to me. I lost, my, I lost my purpose. I lost my, my eyesight. I didn't know what I was supposed to do in life. I didn't know what God was calling me to do because I completely lost my way. Because when I got hurt, right, when I got offended, instead of connecting to a body and connecting to the lifeline that is Christ and his body, I detached myself. And it's very easy to do that, right? It's so easy to just pulled away and say I'm gonna just you know what just forget that forget everybody I'm gonna just remove myself so that way none of you can hurt me but when we do that we are hurting ourselves we wither up and we lose our purpose And it wasn't until 2018 that my wife finally got me to come to church she begged me come to church with me and I I think I'd gone maybe three times and I was grumpy I was not happy about going to church, okay? And I would argue with my wife, and I was mad all the time. And I've got two kids. One of the things that people say that you don't really realize until it actually happens to you is like, hey, your kids are watching you. Your kids are listening to you. (laughs) Nah, They're four years old, four and two. They're not listening to me. I promise. And we come to Passionate Life Church. It's a worship night. And I sit way in the back there. And uh, we leave, and God just moved on me that night. God allowed me to get reattached to a body here at PLC. He allowed me to get plugged back in here at Passionate Life Church. And when we drove home, I wasn't upset. And my daughter said, Hey, Dad, you're not mad this time. I was like, Ooh. Ouch. You're right. I'm not. I'm not. And it was because I finally allowed myself to get reattached to Jesus. I finally allowed myself to get reattached to a body of Christ. I felt like I didn't fit in. I felt like I would never do it again. I felt like I would never be a part of a body again. But God makes a way. Every single time. Every single time. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful to not detach ourselves we really really do and I'm gonna step out of screen here on the YouTube for a second so I apologize but I'm about to do it because I gotta grab something this right here is not your traditional soapbox (laughs) but it's a soapbox and I'll let you know I'm gonna stand on this for like three minutes okay I gotta get on this soapbox real quick hopefully it holds me up but um, okay yeah we're good So now that I'm on my soapbox, right? Now I'm up here. Can we talk about something, real fast, real quick, real fast? Parents, what are we showing our kids when we tell them that hey, your sports more important than youth group? What are we telling our kids when we say, hey, your part-time job at Target, more important than your youth group. Uh, hey, what are we telling our kids when we say, your homework, right? That's important. You, you, you didn't do your homework, so guess what? Your punishment is you can't go to youth group. Parents, when we tell our kids these things, because I know it happens... When we tell our students these things, hey, you know what? We're gonna make sure that you're plugged in to sports, and if it's on Thursday nights, then you just tell your youth group sorry. And we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna make sure that if you are doing school, that if you didn't do your homework right, you gotta be the golden child. You gotta get straight A's. You gotta be, you're my retirement, son. Come on, you gotta make us a bunch of money so I can retire. I need you to get those grades up, so you gotta miss youth because of it. Oh, hey, you're, you're chasing, this dream you're chasing this okay you want to work at Walmart growing up that's great you can do that but you need to make sure you do that instead of go to youth group on a Thursday night what we are telling our kids is that it's more important for them to find their identity in their sports in their part-time jobs and in their school than it is to find their identity in the body of Jesus Christ that is what we are telling our students and so we can't be surprised When they come to us, and you guys come to me and say, Tyler, I don't know what happened, my kid is rebelling, my kid's running away, my kid's doing things I could never imagine, and I'm not too sure. And sometimes I just wanna say, well, I I haven't seen your kid at church for 12 months. 12 months, a year, eight months, your kid has been disconnected from the body. If I were to cut off my hand and set it over there, it would wither up and it would die. And so what we're telling our kids when we say it's more important for you to do football and baseball and basketball than it is for you to go, listen to me, I'm a sports freak. I love sports. Okay. I'm not saying sports are bad. I'm not saying school is bad. I'm not saying part-time jobs are bad, but when we have them find their identity in those things, instead of their purpose in the body of Christ, when they graduate from high school, they will graduate from the church. When they graduate high school, they will graduate from the church, and we see it more and more in our culture today. We're like, wow, what's wrong with our teens? What's wrong with our young people? Why are we so unchurched here in Littleton? Pastor and I, we're talking about it. We're the third most unchurched city in America. I wonder why. Listen to me, parents. It starts with letting our children know that their identity is to be found in who they are in the body of Christ, not what the world says they need to do. I'll get off my soapbox now, okay. (laughs) Parents it's so important, it's so important parents. We have to understand that our youth, you guys right here, some of you sitting in front of me, some of you sitting around the room, you guys are the future of our church you guys have a part in this church you have a part in this body you have a role here and it takes a village right i got two kids i get it it takes a village to raise kids church what are we doing to inspire the next generation what is it that we're doing to make sure that our youth are involved in the body of Christ, man? I hope this, is, this Sunday is not the outlier, but that this Sunday is the norm moving forward. <laughs> that this Sunday is just now it's the normal. It's not a, oh, wow, it's the special Sunday where the youth kids get to be a part of the big church. No, you guys have a part, and we have to make sure they know you've got a part here no matter what Sunday of the, week, or the year it is. If we want to see our city come back to Jesus, a lot of it's going to start with the youth. A lot of it's going to start with you guys. Church, we've got to encourage them. We got to lift them up. We got to push them in the right direction. Hey, I know you, you may feel out of place here. I know you may feel like you don't have a role here. I know you may feel like things are a little uncomfortable. I want to let you know that God has a plan for you here. That God has a purpose for you here. These are the kind of words we need to be speaking into our youth church. These are the kind of things we've got to say to our youth. Sometimes we do feel left-handed though. And it's difficult. Parents, don't be part of that detaching process. For your kids. Don't do it. I had parents come to me all the time. Tyler, will you fix my kid? I'll, I can't. I can't. Only God can. Only God can. And so when we separate ourselves, God wants to. I promise God's like, I want to fix them. I want to help them. I want them to find their purpose in me. I want them to find who they are in me. Parents, if we allow them to stay detached, like I said earlier, they will graduate the church when they graduate from high school. And so man, maybe we're here today, right? Maybe we're here today and it's just like, I feel like I don't have a purpose maybe you're like Ty I really feel like I don't have a role here can I tell you something that no matter what it is in life that's made you feel left-handed you have a place here and this is a wonderful church where you can get plugged into the body of Jesus you can get plugged in it doesn't matter what you did in your past It doesn't matter what what things you're carrying around with you. It doesn't matter the things in life that it's like, this has held me back my entire life. Listen to me, PLC is a place where you can say, I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to nail it to the cross, and I'm going to get reconnected to the body. And you will find your true purpose. You will find your true identity. You will find who you actually are in that moment. When I came back to church, when I came back to PLC, God spoke so clear to me, Tyler, I'm not finished with you. I'm not done with you. But listen to me, if I stayed detached, I would have never heard that. It's important that we get attached again. It's important that we get reconnected to the body. Amen. when we get offended, and we get hurt, and we go through something, listen to me, church. That is the time to draw closer together and push in and say, you know what? As much as I wanted to separate myself right now, as much as I want to pull away, I'm going to stay plugged into this body. Because you still have a purpose here. And so, maybe I'm talking to some left-handed folks. Man, if this is the first time you've been in church, maybe the first time back in a while, and you've never really made that commitment of saying, I want to be a part of a body. What is this body of Jesus Christ? I want to be a part of that. We're going to say a prayer here in the next couple minutes, and I just want to pray with you, man. If you feel left out, if you feel lost, if you feel like you don't have a place, if you feel like you don't have a role, you don't have a purpose, I want to pray with you. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes here this morning? and if that's you with every head bowed every eye closed nobody else looking around I just simply want you to slip your hand up If you're like Ty I feel left handed I feel like I don't have a place yes, 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 yes yes you go ahead and put your hands down listen to me you've got a roll here let's repeat this prayer together so we help those making the greatest decision of their life dear Jesus I thank you for what you did on the cross and I ask this morning that you would come into my life forgive me of my sins and be my lord and king and from this day forward I will be a part of your body in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen (laughs) amen listen to me you have a role here you guys have a purpose here okay